1: Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Going to the Wester Hotline now, bringing on Connor Rogers. Connor, it's been a couple of weeks, but how you been, man?
0: I'm good, Josh. What's going on, dude?
1: Oh, you know, just another rainy Saturday in Buffalo. I don't know why I said another rainy. It hasn't been that rainy at all lately, but it's very gloomy outside right now.
0: Listen, I've only been up to Buffalo one time in my life, and it was August, and it couldn't have been more picture perfect. So you could sell me on late summer's Up in Buffalo, I'm a little disappointed to hear about the the crappy weather.
1: Yeah, no, late summer in Buffalo is probably like peak Buffalo weather. Underrated. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, uh, our own Jeremy White always says fall is elite. But, I mean, end of summer is is nice because you have the vibes of the Bills and the Sabres starting up. You have the great weather that you're kind of like soaking in before, you know, the snow hits. And it's just, it's it's a great vibe, I, I, I will say. It's it's very underrated.
0: And it probably helps too when uh the bills are this good that everybody, you know, everybody's excited for football to be back. I think that kind of changes the tone of everybody right now.
1: For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I was talking about that earlier. It's like when was the last time the Bills and the Sabres were good at the same time? And I don't want to say the Sabres are good yet, but I don't think it's been ever that they were both like you know dominant forces at the same time. It's it's kind of hard to to look back on periods when I wasn't alive, but you know it'd be pretty cool if they were both clicking on all cylinders here going into the season. But um, let's let's talk some let's talk some training camp. We've had some interesting stuff happen this week, from injuries to crazy comments from coaches, and I I think I want to start there. What, what's your take on the whole Sean Payton Robert Sala? just drama episode. I don't know what you want to call it. It was just, it was really weird. And then it just kind of disappeared after a day.
0: It was really weird because truthfully, and I think the jets probably felt this way. It, it felt out of nowhere where the jets were kind of sitting there. And it's the crazy part is I feel like the executives in Denver felt this same way. They're looking at this and going, what and why, and what good does this do for anyone? Right. Besides maybe Sean Payton, maybe Sean Payton's, Goal, as everybody tweets the same thing at the same time, that it's calculated and well thought out. Maybe his goal is that this is setting a foundation for him in terms of you know him being the new powerful guy in town with the Denver organization and the fact that, let's be honest, if things don't go well for Denver, Sean Payton, the head coach that's not used to losing, if things don't go well for Denver, it feels like the blame will shift to maybe Russell Wilson and maybe George Payton, their general manager, two guys that were brought in to turn around that franchise when Sean Payton wasn't there. So it felt like a little bit of that, but the jets being thrown into it uh, felt unnecessary and maybe not the greatest idea from Sean Payton in my personal opinion, because listen, it takes a lot for Robert Sala to not take the absolute high road. That's just the way he is. We've seen it from his first year when they were a true rebuilding team from the Adam Gase years that new England decided to run up the score as much as they can uh, in an early season game, and, and Salah didn't really seem to mind that. There's been a lot of different circumstances that he's always deflected or tried to take the high road. And this one, I think, struck a chord differently. He's not happy. He has a lot of different connections in the league that are close to his offensive coordinator and Nathaniel Hackett that are not happy by this, that aren't really fans of Sean Payton right now. You have a roster that is publicly very pissed off. Randall Cobb on the Michael Kay show uh, didn't seem to be too happy by it either. So now you have a game – then my opinion had no juice, right? You look at the Jets' schedule, September 11th opener against the Bills, going to be electric. You look at uh, the Chiefs in a couple weeks after that, going to be insane. Week five against the Broncos, you kind of look at it and go, uh, okay, we'll see what happens here. I mean, they played each other last year. It wasn't overly an exciting game, a game that the Jets won, but they lost two of their best players for the year in Brees Hall and Avt. Now that week five is, is circled with a red marker, and it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. And if it doesn't go well, it feels like Sean Payton's the guy that'll have a lot of egg on his face. And that's something that the Denver organization, I don't think, wanted anything to do with right now.
1: Well, I think another interesting aspect of it is how, what will the Broncos look like by week five? Will they look like the Broncos country let's ride of last year? Or will they look like a Russell Wilson led team that looks phenomenal with a Sean Payton coach at the helm? You know, because that's going to add to so much more. Because if they come into week five, you know, three and two or four and one. I think, or, or I'm sorry, I I can't math on a Saturday. It's okay. If they <laughs> if they come in to, if they come in with a good record at like three and one, or 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 even like a like a two and two, where they're kind of like middle of the road, but they didn't really deserve to lose, it's going to add a lot more skepticism, I think, and, it, and it's going to just add another element to that whole that whole thing. But it's just it's so weird, like it just out of nowhere.
0: It really is, and, and what's interesting is when you look at the way the Broncos' schedule is constructed, that's now a, maybe a turning point of their season, right? They open against the Raiders, kind of a coin flip game, in my opinion. Then you have the Commanders. Okay, you should be able to beat them, we would think. The Broncos is going to be really, really hard for Denver, and then the Bears, a the team they should win. There's no reason the Broncos can't be 2-2 two and two or 3-1 going into that game against the Jets, and now you have a bunch of hungry wolves that want to tear you apart. Then the Broncos play the Chiefs, Packers, the Chiefs, and Bills. So if they lose to the Jets and then have to deal with the Chiefs two out of three followed by Buffalo, that kind of can spiral out of control. And maybe I'm looking too far ahead, or maybe I don't have the confidence in Sean Payton that he has in himself. But say what you want about Nathaniel Hackett's disastrous head coaching tenure there, and it was bad. You can uh, you can really evaluate things in a nutshell or a vacuum. Russell Wilson was bad last year. It doesn't. Yes, some of that blame falls on the construction of the offense, but you can also evaluate things in a vacuum that he looked bad. And you know, a lot of people in Seattle, I think, the reason they traded him, felt like that turn was slowly starting to come, and they wanted to get out of early of his contract and his situation before it was too late to get anything back. So the Broncos season, it felt, it felt like really not a lot of people cared about it. Everybody's talking about in the AFC, whether the Bengals, the Bills, the Jets, of course, the powerhouse and the Chiefs, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson healthy and ready to go. And now the Broncos all of a sudden have become a storyline, thanks to Sean Payton's mouth.
1: So moving away from the Broncos, sticking with the AFC, though, a different sort of quarterback dilemma arose for the Cincinnati Bengals the other day with Joe Burrow's injury. What do you make of it? What's I mean, that's huge. That's really bad. What what do you what do you what do you make of it? What do you think is going to happen moving forward with them?
0: It's interesting. We haven't gotten a concrete timeline on this one yet. I mean, the last I saw is that they think he'll be ready for week one. This is going to sideline him for a couple of weeks with the calf strain. That's what the latest from rap sheet. There's a couple of things to unpack here, right? The bottom line is it feels like Joe Burrow has missed every single summer almost to this point. He's just had a lot of bad luck, a lot of different things. Um, And I know he was, it sounded like he was excited to have a full training camp and a full summer. And now instantly he loses that right away. So that's the short term, uh, whether there's going to be rust or not. The dude is so smart and so talented that I don't necessarily believe in that. But I think the second part, the long term, is what can kind of scare you. And that's calf injuries have a habit of kind of, you know, being a little bit of a thorn where two things, one, they could pop back up pretty easily. And he was wearing the sleeve already, I believe, when he had this injury in camp. And then this is the much more dramatic, maybe even exaggerated or hyperbole, but you know, a lot of people believe calf injuries can lead to larger injuries in the Achilles. So I think the Bengals need to be really, really careful here. It's going to be fascinating with early in summer, a lot can change, but you're going to have a lot of different teams. The Ravens have a new offense with Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson in their division. They're going to have a full summer now to get ramped up. The Bills are working in a new you know, high-octane weapon in Dalton Kincaid. Uh, and year two of Dorsey's offense, so that's a really important summer for them. The Jets have an entirely new quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. The Dolphins are are in year two of Mike McDaniel's offense, and I'm not going to write off the Bengals. I think they're a phenomenal team because Burrow is so special, especially with those wide receivers, but it does not help when you look at the arms race that is the AFC and all of these teams being able to get their offense firing on all cylinders, and now once again, unfortunately, Joe Burrow is going to miss probably an entire summer.
1: I want to get your thoughts real quick on, obviously, here at home, we're all looking at the Bills wide receiver room going, wow, this looks pretty good. I mean, what what, what do you think is the feeling of, like, you know, Trent Shearfield, Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir, those guys? Obviously, Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis are your one and two. But other than that, it seems kind of wide open. Like, What are your thoughts on how that wide receiver room is going to shape out?
0: I was thinking in an ideal world, even though he's listed as a tight end, they would like Dalton Kincaid to be their number three. And, and maybe that's unfair to ask of a rookie, but there's a reason this dude went in the first round as a pass catching tight end. And I think they have confidence in playing him off the line of scrimmage and maximizing what he's good at, uh, which is his catch radius, his ability to run really polished routes at that position. He's a good athlete. He's a, you know kind of a seam buster. And what I mean by that is he can – get over the top of linebackers, but he's, he can climb over defensive backs when the ball is in the air. So, sure, they've, they've invested, I want to say a lot, in the, the depth of their wide receivers, but they have a collection of names, like you said. I think Shakur is the guy that, since he's been drafted, there's been some hope for him. But when you look at the construction of this offense, it feels like the Bills would be a team suited to have that power slot, and that's where Kincaid really It's going to depend where he's at, how ready he is. I think there's been some early returns already from what the Bills have seen from him in practice. But when you just look at the construction of this offense, I know they like to move Diggs around. That won't go away, right? You could still move Diggs into the slot, motion him around, get favorable matchups. But if you can trot out 11 personnel that is really Kincaid as that third wide receiver and let Diggs and Gabe Davis stretch from the outside with Kincaid working in the slot – that's something that can be a new dimension to Buffalo that can really take their offense to the next level and allow Josh Allen to play a little bit more on script, which I think w- – I thought they did a good job of that when Dable was in town. I thought there was times last year where they got into him being Superman because they needed a consistent target besides Diggs, and I think that was the thought process behind drafting Kincaid and what his role will be.
1: So talking about that, how, how Allen can and can do things against other teams, it's it's a little – Easier now on another AFC East team now that Jalen Ramsey has been injured. What do you think that's going to mean for basically the division race in the AFC? Because if you're looking at the national media, it's completely wide open. But I mean, personally, I think that the Bills are still the favorites of the AFC East and it's going to be no problem for them. But now with Ramsey out, it might be even easier.
0: Yeah, I think they're still the favorites. So I think it would be kind of ridiculous to. Go against them until they give you a reason to. That's that's kind of the mantra I, I tend to live by when picking this division. It's something I live by with the Patriots for a long time, and something that I think is fair to uh, to Buffalo right now. Because, I mean, we don't know what the Jets are going to look like in September. Maybe they look even, you know, they are fully loaded in November. But it might take a little time to get fully going with a new quarterback under center. And then you bring up Miami. This is just the injury that Miami really, really didn't need, besides Tua, which is stating the obvious, and it feels like every time Tua drops back, you're holding your breath at this point. Because with Ramsey, you look at the structure of the contract and why they got him for so cheap. They they guaranteed him an overwhelming amount of money in these first two years. And that was a move to me that was, hey, we're all in, right? We're building a secondary that we like Xavier Howard. who's a great player, another guy that needs to stay healthy. We love Javon Holland, our safety. We got Vic Fangio here, who is one of the best defensive coordinators in the entire league. Now we get Ramsey, who can do a lot of different things. He could still play outside corner, you could play him in the slot. He could be kind of a smash mouth player at times, brings an infectious energy. We feel like our defense is going to be a top eight unit while we have an offense that has speed and is schemed up really, really well. You lose Ramsey this early. Number one, you got to get somebody acclimated. It felt like with Miami last year, they were a team that that second corner or third corner spot was a problem for them kind of often. So you went out and, and paid for a massive solution to fix it, a premium solution that I respect and, and really get the move. And it's just unfortunate. He's already hurt. It sounds like it to at least December. There's a lot of guys that missed the entire season with this. I've, I would imagine he's going to fight to come back. But our question with Miami is right now, are they in playoff position by the time he's back? And, and when is that? Week 15, week 16, week 17? We don't even know. And getting fully up to speed off of a torn meniscus repair, I mean, that's pretty significant as well. So this was an injury that Miami didn't need, and it kind of feels like, man, if they, if they have to once again play without Tua at some stretch of the season, you thought initially, well, now they can lean on their defense more so than ever, and, and now it feels like they're one more injury away on the defense where they won't be able to do that.
1: Connor Rogers on the Western hotline. We're running a little short on time here, but I want to get your thoughts real quick. Five days from now, we will have the first NFL football game of the year, the hall of fame game. What's your thoughts on it? I mean, to me, it's just a step above the pro bowl. I mean, it's not, it doesn't really mean much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like putting the bread on the table, right? Like you'll gladly eat it and you'll enjoy it. And you're excited about it, but you're waiting for the appetizers and the main dish to get out there. It gets old really quick. Nobody plays. In this game, I, the only reason I like it so much is because I, I cover the draft. Majority of my job is covering the NFL draft, so you get to see a lot of names that you're you're rooting for to make it in the league. But the overall competitive nature of it and uh, the guys that are in the game, it's it it's really honestly barely an XFL game. But hey, an XFL game is better than absolutely no football.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. I I, I like that that the the comparison to the bread. That's a good one. Well, Connor, I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your Saturday. It's been fun, and uh, talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for having me, Josh. Enjoy the weekend.
1: You too. Connor Rogers on the Western Hotline. We are very late for a break, so we will be right back to wrap up the show on WGR. Coverage of Buffalo Bills Training Camp on WGR is presented by Admark Construction Equipment and Supplies, the equipment you need when you need it, and brought to you by Fiegel Car & Joyce, your border Attorneys, and by Feel Right Fresh Markets, it's where healthy living starts. What's up guys, special day for Brandon Bean, it's his birthday, let's go give him a gift. What are you doing? Happy birthday, Bean. What did you get? Uh, just open. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's beans. You're an idiot.
0: Put it on. (laughs) You're an idiot. Bucket hat,
1: bros. (laughs) Your beauty. Where'd you get this? Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, had a pretty unique gift for Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, on his birthday. A bucket hat with baked beans on them. It was phenomenal. And <laughs> that's just one other reason why you got to love Josh Allen. Like, just so funny. Such a good guy. Oh, and, and, and the story goes a little deeper with that, too. Apparently, Bush's Baked Beans commented on the post and said, How about a full on bean sweatsuit to go with it? We DM'd you. If the Bills social media team gets their hands on a baked beans sweatsuit, the content is going to be incredible. Also, real quick before we wrap up, it is National Chicken Wing Day. So go out and get your wings. I'm going to try to do that myself, but I'm assuming that most of the local favorites will be swamped today. But I'm going to try my best to get out there and get some wings on a National Chicken Wing Day. It's only fitting. It's a Saturday, so that's pretty fun. But that's going to do it for me here on Sports Talk Saturday. Zach Jones is waiting for first pitch of Angels Blue Jays. It's about an hour... And like 15 minutes away. So hopefully that goes all, all goes well for him. Um, Tanner Saunders on the board. Great job today, Tanner. Thank you. Thank you for listening out there. You've been listening to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Josh Schmidt, and this is WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.